ayah number 18 لِلَّذِينَ اسْتَجَابُوا لِرَبِّهِمْ For those people who have responded to their Lord For them is الْحُسْنَى The best reward The best outcome The most excellent The most beautiful result For who? Those people who respond to their Lord Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls them He commands them He orders them And what do they do? They respond They surrender They accept They obey So because they respond to Allah What do they get? Al-Husna The excellent reward Think about it Anyone Who calls someone Who orders them with something Gives them an instruction If they receive a positive response How are they going to reward? In the most best manner Parents What happens with them? When they call their children And their children They respond Then how do the parents reward them? With something beautiful Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Who is Al-Muhsin Who is Al-Kareem The one who is most generous What reward can be expected from him? Only that which is excellent So when Allah orders His servants to do something And they respond What does Allah promise them in return? The most excellent reward The most beautiful outcome When? In this life And also in the next life Now what are the different ways in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls us? Because istijaba has been mentioned, right? Responding to Allah. So what are the different ways in which we respond to Allah? First of all, with regards to His commands, okay? So any command that Allah has given, if a servant responds, what is promised for him? Husna. Secondly, Responding to Allah also means responding to Him in a positive way, meaning surrendering to His decree, accepting His decisions. And this is something that is very, very difficult to do. Because many times what happens is that things are going against our will. Things are going against our wishes. Things are going against our plans. But those who respond to Allah positively at that time, those who surrender, those who obey, even in the most difficult situations, Allah promises them al-husna, the most excellent reward. وَالَّذِينَ لَمْ يَسْتَجِيبُوا لَهُ And those people who do not respond to Him, who do not obey, who do not believe, who do not surrender, then... لَوْ أَنَّ لَهُمْ If they had مَا فِي الْأَرْضِ جَمِيعًا Everything that is in the earth جَمِيعًا altogether Meaning every single thing that is on the earth If these people had it وَمِثْلَهُ مَعَهُ And it's like along with it Meaning twice it's like In other words the earth and it's like So two times Alright So وَمِثْلَهُ مَعَهُ If they had all of the earth And its equivalent along with it لَفْتَدَوْ بِهِ Surely they would give it as ransom Why? In order to free themselves from the punishment But will it be accepted? Not at all أُولَٰئِكَ لَهُمْ سُوءُ الْحِسَابِ Those for them is the most evil hisab Evil hisab Hisab of what? Account of what? Of the blessings Of the life Of the opportunities that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them Because the blessings that Allah has given us in this life, what are they for? Why? Why has Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala given us all these blessings, all these things to use? To worship Him. Not that we start worshiping these blessings, we get lost in them and we forget Him. So those who forget Him now, later they will wish to offer everything. And it's double. But will it be accepted? Never. For them will be a very difficult, a very tough hisab. وَمَأْوَاهُمْ جَهَنَّمْ And their refuge is the fire. وَبِئْسَ الْمِهَادِ And what a terrible resting place it is. Mihad is a bed, a place of rest. So what a terrible place of rest it is. If you think about it, in this life, what is it that prevents us from going towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, from obeying Him, from surrendering to Him? What prevents us? What holds us back? It's the things of this dunya. Right? It's the fun that we're having. The things that we want to enjoy. But what does this ayah show to us? That 
if we make this dunya a priority right now, later, we could offer everything in this world as ransom, but it will not work. What matters is obedience, ta'a, and what matters is iman. And if a person compromises on that for the sake of this dunya, then this dunya is not going to help at all. The things of this dunya, the money, it's not going to help. أَفَمَنْ يَعْلَمُ Then is he who knows أَنَّمَا أُنزِلَ إِلَيْكَ مِنْ رَبِّكَ الْحَقِّ That indeed that which has been revealed to you from your Lord is the truth. One is a person who knows, who knows for sure that whatever has been revealed by Allah to Muhammad wasallam, that is الحق, that is true. So he believes in it. And he believes in it with conviction, without any doubt. He knows for certain that it is al-haq. He knows. You see, there are two ways of accepting something or following something. One is that you do it, you follow it, you accept it just because everybody does it. That's the norm. That's the tradition. That's just how things are. Alright? And the other is that you accept something, you follow something, you do something because you understand it. Your heart accepts it. It makes sense to you. That is what you believe in with all your heart. Is there any difference in these two approaches? There's a huge difference. The first person, he can be dissuaded from his opinion anytime. Right? People can persuade him to believe something differently and he will agree. He doesn't have stability. And he doesn't know why he is doing something. He doesn't understand what he believes in. And as a result, his faith is weak, his actions are weak, he doesn't have any stability. And on the other hand, the person who has consciously accepted something, he has stability. He will be firm. His heart is involved in what he's doing. He passionately believes. So one is a person who knows that indeed what has been revealed to you from your Lord is the truth. Allah asks, is this person kaman huwa arma, like the one who is blind? Is he like the one who is blind? Who is the one who is blind? The person who is blind at heart. The one who does not believe with conviction. The one who whose faith is just based on hearsay. He says what people say. He believes what people tell him to believe in. He does what people tell him to do. He doesn't have any faith of his own. He's blind. So these two people, are they the same? No. إِنَّمَا يَتَذَكَّرُوا أُولُو الْأَلْبَابِ It is only the people who have intellect, who have understanding, who will be reminded, who will take a lesson, who will understand. What will they understand? That the right way is that which is showed by the Qur'an. And the two that are described in this ayah can never be the same. So what is it that we are being encouraged to do in this ayah? That we must have ilm. You know like in the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَعْلَمْ أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّهُ Know, you should know that, you should have knowledge of this fact, that there is no God worthy of worship, but Allah. Don't just say, لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ Because this is what you were taught, and when you're asked to explain, then you have no idea what it means. No, you should have faith in this with certainty, based on conviction, and conviction comes with what? With ilm. So, أَفَمَنْ يَعْلَمُ What's the difference between the two people? One is blind and the other has ilm. One is blind and the other has ilm. So those who have knowledge and those who don't have knowledge, they can never be the same. The seeing and the blind, they can never be the same. I think a lot of the times what happens is that we're really doubtful when it comes to you know certain things. And as a result we don't really do anything um, to sort of attain that knowledge to clear our doubts. And I remember reading this one quote online, which said that, fill your mind with knowledge that your doubts starve to death. Yes. Fill your mind with knowledge so that your doubts starve to death. They have no room for existence. There's nothing feeding them. Okay? So what feeds doubts? Ignorance. Alright? And what is it that will kill the doubts? Knowledge. Yaqeen. So, أَفَمَنْ يَعْلَمُ And you see, when you are certain about something, then your actions, they also improve. You know, for instance, if you're really certain about eating a particular food, alright, no matter how horrible it tastes, but still you will have it. Even if people are making fun of you, you will have it. 
You know, sometimes you find out about these strange grains and, you know, food products that people are enjoying and you wonder, how can they even have it? You won't even go near it. But people are having it for the sake of their health. Why? Because they firmly believe in it. So with yaqeen, your actions also improve. In the previous ayah, what was mentioned? Responding to Allah. What holds people back from obeying Allah? Doubts. This shakiness. That what if I do it and I suffer? What if it's not really true? What if it doesn't really work out? No. If you have iman, if you have conviction, then your actions will come very easily. You know in downtown Toronto when you go on St. Tower and you have those clear floors and you, like, you want to walk on them? So you ask the security guard, like, is it safe? Can I go on? And he doesn't even care. It's like, yeah, sure, whatever, hop on. And you go on it, and you, you feel secure when that security guard, who doesn't even know how the structure was made, is telling you, yeah, that piece of glass, which is like a thousand feet off the ground, is safe to step on. But when Allah is telling you to put, my, put your trust in me, and I'll give you what you want, we're very doubtful in that. Yes, very true. That sometimes when you go and see this really scary kind of ride, and you wonder, is it even safe to sit on it? But everybody is doing it and there's you know, security present and they tell you, yeah, of course it's safe. It's been tested, it's been tried, it's safe. So then what happens? You will go and sit on it and even though you'll be turned upside down and your legs are dangling, you still have this faith that you'll be fine. Why? Because a security guard told you it is safe. There's people present at the gates that told you all the rides are safe. Right? So when someone has assured you and you have this faith, you are certain that you're not going to be harmed, you're not going to suffer from any harm, any danger, then what happens? Your fear goes away. And you have itma'nan, you have you know, contentment and peace at your heart. You're at ease basically at what you're doing. So this comes with yaqeen. This is why, The one who knows, there's a difference between ilm and blindness. Alladina. Who are those people who use their mind, who use their intellect? Allah says they are those who yufuna bi ahdillahi, who fulfill the covenant of Allah, wala al-misaq, and they do not break the contract. The promise with Allah, the covenant with Allah. What is the promise that every single person has made with Allah? Which ahd is that? The ahd of alast that we learned about in Surah Al-Araf. That when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created Adam alayhi salam, He brought out all of the children of Adam alayhi salam also. Every one of us included. Every single person. Whether he believes today or he does not. Every single person was present over there. And Allah asked all the people, أَلَسْتُ بِرَبِّكُمْ Am I not your Lord? And what did the people say? Bala. And this recognition of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this realization that there is God, only one God worthy of worship, my creator, this is something that is built in within our systems. This realization is present in our hearts. We might not have a conscious memory of it, but it is there. Because of which people by nature, they search for God. They search for a supreme being. Hmm? So, this ahd of Allah, it refers to ahd alast. It's a covenant that we made with Allah. That you are our Lord, we will worship you alone. So those who respond to their Lord right now, they are invited to accept Islam, to believe in Allah, to believe in Muhammad wasallam, And they respond, Allah says for them is husna. And over here, Allah describes their characteristics. First and foremost, those who fulfill the covenant of Allah. So when a person is accepting Islam, or when a person is adhering to Islam, then in reality, what is he doing? He's fulfilling the covenant that he made with his Lord. And if a person does not accept Islam, he rejects Tawheed, then what is he doing in reality? He is breaking his promise with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, الَّذِينَ يُوفُونَ بِعَهْدِ اللَّهِ وَلَا يَنْقُضُونَ الْمِيثَاقِ They do not break the covenants, the pledges. Which covenants? That they make with Allah or they make with people, meaning in this life. So, Ahd of Allah refers to Ahd Alast. And Al-Mithaq refers to any other covenant, any other pledge that they make in the name of Allah, with Allah, with the Messenger, with people, whether they're Muslim or they're not Muslim. Because this is the characteristic of who? Ulul Albab. Iman makes a person fulfill his commitments, his promises. And breaking promises is a sign of hypocrisy. And intelligent people, 
people who use their mind, then what do they do? They fulfill their promises. Their reason, their mind, their logic, it prevents them, it stops them from breaking their promises, from breaking their covenants. So, الَّذِينَ يُوفُونَ بِعْهْدِ اللَّهِ وَلَا يَنْقُضُونَ الْمِيثَاقِ وَالَّذِينَ and those who يَصِلُونَ they join from wasala. What does wasala mean? To join. Hmm? Two things were separate. So you came, you picked them up, and you joined them. Okay? So for example, if there are two tables, one is on one side of the room, and the other is on the other side of the room. So what do you do? You bring both of the tables... And you put them in the center and you join one with the other. There was a gap, there was a distance. So what did you do? You finished that distance by bringing together. So those who join, now the word join, what does it tell you? The word wasl, what does it tell you? That things were not perfect. Okay? So they join ma amar Allahu bihi that which Allah has commanded and yusal that it should be joined. It should be connected. It should be kept together. It should not be broken. It should not be left distant you know, from each other. Now what is this referring to? What is it that Allah has ordered that we must join? What? Family ties, relationships, hmm? whether they are with relatives, with friends, with co-workers. But mainly, Allah has ordered us to join the ties of kinship, the ties of blood relationships. Now, many times, they are perfectly fine, they are already joined. In the sense that there are no fights, no arguments, no distance between family members, everything is good. But this is rare. Or this is only with certain family members. In every family, there are always some people, whether they are close relatives or distant relatives, between which there is a distance. Okay, They are supposed to be joined together, but a distance has come in the middle. Why has this distance come in? Why did they become distant from each other? Because of some disagreement? Hmm? Because of some argument? Because of some jealousy, because of some envy, because of some bias, whatever it may be, grudges, okay, high expectations, and thus disappointment, and thus not forgiving others, and these distances, they grow and grow and grow. And generally, what do we say? That, oh, if they don't want to make up with us, why should we bother? If they don't want to be on good terms with us, why should I bother? Let them be. But, what do we learn in this ayah? Those who join which Allah has ordered should be joined together. They're not maintaining their relationships, joining them because there's peer pressure or because otherwise it'll look so bad or because they're getting some benefit in return. They're doing it because Allah has ordered. Allah has ordered. And joining relationships means there was a problem from before. If there was no problem, you didn't have to join. If you're being asked to join, that means there is a problem. So do we have problems with certain relatives of ours? Yeah? Don't tell me. Just remind yourself of any relative with whom there is a problem, there is a distance. Okay? And that distance is awkward. It is not right. It, it does not make sense that two brothers or two sisters or cousins or uncles and aunts and grandparents and children, whatever, there is a distance. This is not correct. That should be closed. That gap should be finished. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said so. You know in hadith, the Prophet ﷺ said that لَيْسَ الْوَاصِلِ الْمُكَافِي The wasil is not the mukafi. Mukafi is who? The one who is good in return. The one who is good in return. So a cousin gives a gift to a cousin. And so what happens next Eid? You know, the other gives a gift as well. This is what? Mukafi. The one who is just paying the other back or who is treating the other exactly as he was treated, in a good way. This is not wasil. This is not wasil. Who is wasil? The one who joins that relationship which has been broken, which has been severed, which has been cut. So for example, a relative 
with whom no phone call was made, no meeting, nothing like that happened in a while. Why? Because they just don't like it or we just don't like it. We always end up in an argument. Now when you try to make up, this is called wasl. This is called wasl. وَالَّذِينَ يَصِلُونَ مَا أَمَرَ اللَّهُ بِهِ أَن You know, Asma رضي الله عنها, the sister of Aisha رضي الله عنها, she was in Medina. She did hijrah to Medina. Her mother was not a Muslim. She was still a mushrika. And what happened that she came from Makkah to Medina to visit her daughter Asma. Now when Asma anha, she heard that she was coming, she heard that her mother was coming, she was also aware that her mother wants some financial assistance. So she wasn't sure if she could help her or not. And if she should accommodate her or not. If she should welcome her in her house or not. So she went to the Prophet ﷺ and she asked him that my mother is coming, what should I do? You know what he said to her? Sili ummaki. Sili ummaki. The same word, wasl. Join the relationship with your mother. That yes, a distance has come. She is a kafir. You are a Muslim. There is a big difference of iman and kufr. Can you imagine? You know, one is that he has a different kind of lifestyle. I have a different kind of lifestyle. He has different tastes and I have different tastes. This is why we don't get along with each other. This is the difference between iman and kufr. She is staunch on her shirk and here is Asma anha firm on her iman. But the Prophet ﷺ studying her, Sili ummaki. Accommodate her. Welcome her in. Be generous to her. Help her financially. Because she is after all your mother. So likewise, our relatives, Alhamdulillah, for the majority of us, at least they're not non-Muslim. So they have more of a right to receive good treatment from us. So, وَالَّذِينَ يَصِلُونَ مَا أَمَرَ اللَّهُ بِهِ أَن يُصَلْ وَيَخْشَوْنَ رَبَّهُمْ And they fear their Lord. خَشْيَةً What kind of fear is خَشْيَةً? With awe, with respect. They fear their Lord with utmost respect. One is that you're afraid of someone and you are not really shy of them and you know you don't really care about them. You're afraid of them but you don't care about them. For example, police officers. People are afraid, but do they care about them in the sense that do they have respect for them? In front of the police officers, they'll become very respectful. But let the police officer walk away a few steps and see how the people are cursing at them. Hmm? So that is fear, but it is not khashiyah. It is not with respect. Khashiyah is what? Fear with respect. So they have respect for their Lord, they fear their Lord, and because of this kind of fear, they don't disobey Him. Because of this kind of fear, they obey Him. وَيَخَافُونَ سُوءَ الْحِسَابِ And they fear, they're afraid of the evil account. Meaning they're afraid that they're going to be questioned by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So as a result, they mend their relationships, they mend their ways, because they don't want to be in trouble. Allah says in verse 18 that whoever responds to him has this reward, and like whoever doesn't respond to him has this punishment. And this just shows that how hard this act of joining a relationship together is. Of course, because if there is excellent reward that is promised, that means that this action... Is very difficult. And this is why the next quality is Walladina Sabaru. And those who are patient, who do sabr. Because sabr is about what? Holding yourself back. Right? Holding yourself back from what? From disobedience. Holding yourself back from reacting in a way that is not acceptable. Hmm? So Walladina Sabaru, those who are patient, Ibtira awajhi rabbihim. Only to seek the face of their Lord. Why are they being patient? Why? Because they want that, you know, one day they will be very patient, they will call up one of their relatives who's really mean to them, and they're being patient so that hopefully the day after things will be better. Yeah? If things are not better by the day after, then what will happen? You can't keep going. You cannot keep going. If we are patient just to receive reward now, just to see the outcome now, we cannot have true sabr. Sabr, why? Ibtigha'a wajhi rabbihim. To seek the face of their Lord. Because they want to see Allah. They want Allah to be happy with them. They want Allah to look at them. 
ibtigha'a wajhi rabbihim think about it if someone's face is all for you what does it mean they are paying attention to you they're looking at you they're smiling at you they're laughing with you they're happy with you you see them they see you hmm so ibtigha'a wajhi rabbihim they want Allah to be happy with them. They want to see Allah and they want Allah to be happy with them also. Because you see when Allah is happy with a servant, He pays attention to him. Like for example, when a person is performing salah, in hadith in Bukhari we learn, the Prophet ﷺ said, if any one of you has to spit during his prayer, then he should not spit in front of him. Why? Because his Lord is before him. So he should spit where? You know, on his left or, or under his foot or something like that, but not in front because it's extremely disrespectful. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He's in front. Now how exactly is He in front? He knows better. We don't go into the house and the details of that. And in another hadith we learned that when a person, he's performing the salah and he looks here and there, iltifat, then what happens? Allah also looks away from him. That Allah doesn't look at him anymore. He's not interested in that servant anymore. Why? Because that servant is not interested in Allah. Because if he was interested in Allah, he would have been paying attention during the prayer. So, ibtigha'a wajhi rabbihim, what does it mean? That they want Allah to be happy. They want Allah's attention. You know, in hadith we learn that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala smiles at certain individuals. He laughs at certain individuals because He's so happy with them. This is what? They have the wajh of Allah. And in the hereafter, the best result that they will see the wajh of Allah. So basically to make Allah happy, they have sabr. And this sabr is really the key. Because without sabr, promises cannot be fulfilled. If you go back all the way to the beginning of these qualities, first of all, a person cannot respond to Allah without sabr. Cannot obey Allah without sabr. He cannot fulfill promises. Relationships cannot be joined. Nothing like this can be done except with sabr. وَأَقَامُوا salata And they establish the prayer. وَأَنْفَقُوا And they spend مِمَّا رَزَقْنَاهُمْ From that which we have provided them. سِرًّا Secretly وَعَلَانِيَةً And openly. They spend out of what Allah has given them secretly. How secretly? So that their spouse even doesn't find out. Their parents even don't find out. Their children don't even find out. Their friends don't even find out. They give it that secretly. And in hadith we learn, in such a secret manner that the left hand doesn't know what the right hand has given. So secretly. That literally out of the bag, into the hand of the beggar. Or into the box. Literally that secretly. Didn't even see what was coming out. And later didn't even count to see how much is missing. Go ahead. And his wife didn't even know that he did this. She just thought he went on his own to the masjid. Subhanallah. So this is sirran. That you're doing something and your family doesn't even find out. Your family doesn't even know. What happens is that we do a little bit and we tell our husband, we tell our parents, we tell our friends, we tell whoever is around us, whoever we meet. Why? Because we feel happy about that. It's okay as long as your intention remains sincere. Because that's the key. If you can have your intention sincere, then there's no harm in publicizing your charity, your good deeds, no harm in that. But there should also be something that is just a secret between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A secret between you and your Lord. That your friend from people... Your human friend doesn't even know. Only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows. And the angels know because obviously they see. Alright? They've been assigned to record your deeds. So, sirran wa'ala niyatan. And openly also. Aisha? is praying the Hajjah Salah because that's the time when mostly people are not watching over you, where were you at 2 o'clock in the morning, you know, even your husband doesn't even know. Yeah. So this could be one thing we can do for Allah. 
One day, the Imam was saying, uh, make a secret account that only Allah knows and that you know. Yes, a secret account. And for many women, it's possible that it's a challenge because their husband, I mean, he knows exactly what financial activities are going on because they manage all the money so the wives don't have any way of hiding that, but uh, keeping that a secret. But even in that, when you draw out some cash just for yourself, or you have that freedom to use that money for whatever you want, then from that even you can take a portion and give it secretly in the way of Allah. Sirran. So, وَأَنْفَقُوا And they spend مِمَّا رَزَقْنَاهُمْ سِرٌّ وَعَلَانِيَةً Secretly and openly. Why openly? Okay, because others are encouraged and others also become a witness. Hmm? And سِرًّا وَعَلَانِيَةً Secretly and openly. What does that show? That they don't miss an opportunity. Because otherwise what happens? If we keep waiting for that secret good deed that we can do and that sadaqah that we can give really privately, I don't know when we can find that opportunity. So don't wait for the perfect opportunity. Whatever comes, give. سِرًّا وَعَلَانِيَةً وَيَدْرَؤُونَ And they avert, they prevent. دَالْ رَهَمْزَ دَرْ is to ward off. They avert بِالْحَسَنَةِ with the good السَّيِّئَةَ The evil. Meaning any evil, they push it away, they shove it away, they get rid of it. How? By doing good. They don't fight fire with fire. They fight fire with water. Okay? Fire, evil, water, good. So anything evil that happens, they extinguish it with something good. Now if you think about it, if there is something bad that's happening, that somebody else is doing to you, or something bad that you may have done yourself, if you follow that with more bad, that evil is only going to increase. It's only going to grow. So how do you counter that in a way that evil will finish? How? By doing good in return. The sayyah, it refers to two things. You can divide into two categories. One is evil that you are facing at the hands of others. The evil that others are doing to you. So for example, Yusuf a.s. we just read his story. Hmm? Did he face any evil? Yeah, of course, from his brothers, from the women, from the people whom he met in jail. That was sayyi'ah. How did he counter that? How did he deal with it? With more sayyi'ah? No, with hasana. So what happened? The result was what? That the enemy was no longer there. The success of the prophets was that they took no enemies. They took no enemies. Even if someone showed enmity to them, they did not take them as enemies. So as a result, what happened? Their enemies became their friends. And our failure, what does that lie in? In making our friends into enemies. So, وَيَضْرَؤُونَ بِالْحَسَنَةِ السَّيِّئَةَ أُولَٰئِكَ لَهُمْ عُقْبَ Secondly, sayyi'ah means evil that they have done. So for example, a sin that has been committed. Now if a sin has been committed, what should be done after that? Follow that with a good deed. Hmm? Why? Tamhuha, it will erase it. Once a man came to the Prophet ﷺ and he asked him, he said, Ya Rasulullah, what do you make of a man who has committed every sin, big and small, who has not left any desire, big or small, except that he has fulfilled it? What do you say about that man? The Prophet ﷺ said, Have you accepted Islam? See, the question of the Prophet ﷺ, what does that show? That he knew that this man was talking about himself. So this man said, as for me, I bear witness that there is no God worthy of worship but Allah and that you are the Messenger of Allah So the Prophet ﷺ told him, leave sins and perform good deeds. And Allah will transform your sins into good deeds. Leave sins and start working on doing good. And when you will do that, what will happen? All your sins will be converted into good deeds. That man, he was surprised. He said, even my treacheries, my betrayals, and my immoralities, my obscene actions, the Prophet ﷺ said, yes. And the man said, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. He couldn't believe it. He just kept saying, Allahu Akbar, until he went. So, وَيَدْرَؤُونَ بِالْحَسَنَةِ السَّيِّئَةَ Any evil that happens, any bad that happens, what should be? the course of action after 
Hasana. Ulaika lahum uqbadar. For them is uqba the outcome of adar the home. What is uqba? Uqba is a good end, a good result. So for such people will be a good end in the home. Which home? The home that is mentioned in the next ayah. And what is that home? Jannatu Adnin. Gardens of eternity. So such people will make it to Jannah. Such people will have a good end in paradise, in the gardens of Adin. What is Adin? Adin is a name of Jannah, but it's also a description. It's a descriptive name you can say. Because Adin means iqama, to remain somewhere. You know like people have their iqama? Saudi, they have their iqama. Have you heard the word iqama? Hmm? What does that mean? That now they can... Stay there for some time at least. Hmm? They don't have to keep coming back. It's not like any day they'll be kicked out. They know that inshallah they can stay there for some time. So that is iqama, residence. Hmm? So, adan means iqama. So they will be granted residence in Jannah. Residency where? In Jannah. You know, it's like if a person who's immigrated to Canada, finally they got their PR card permanent resident card, what does that mean? That now they are a resident of this country, and whenever they come from anywhere, they can enter this place, and they can stay here. They don't have to go somewhere else to re-enter, or apply in order to extend their visa, extend their stay, no. Permanent resident means you're here, this is your home, this is your country. So, Jannatu Adinin, gardens of eternity, they will be granted permanent stay in Jannah, from which they will never be asked to leave, they will never be evicted, no notice will come that now you have to leave, nor death will approach them so that they have to leave, nothing, nothing like that. You see, anywhere that you're staying, why is it that you leave that place? Why? Because either that lease ends or... You know, you have to go to a better place or you can't stay there anymore. It doesn't fulfill your needs anymore. So you have to find a better accommodation that is more suitable to your lifestyle. But Jannah is perfect in every way. No one will have the need to leave and no one will be asked to leave. Jannah to Adnin. Yadukhulunaha. They will enter it. And who else will enter it? وَمَنْ صَلَحَ مِنْ آبَائِهِمْ And whoever was good and righteous from among their parents وَأَزْوَاجِهِمْ And their spouses وَذُرِّيَّاتِهِمْ And their children Families will be united in Jannah. Families will be brought together in Jannah. In dunya what happens? What happens? Your loved ones, your family members mean you know that one day for sure you'll be separated. You know, many women, when they have their baby girls, they're already concerned about the day when their daughter will have to go. Or their son will have to go. Why? Because this dunya means separation. For whatever reason, people are separated from each other. Close ones, loved ones, friends, they're separated from each other. You cannot stay with one another forever. Sometimes it's illness, sometimes it's death, sometimes it's work, sometimes it's education, sometimes it's marriage. Whatever it may be, loved ones are separated from each other in this dunya. And many times it happens that for the sake of Allah also, loved ones, family members are separated from each other. Because one has to obey Allah. Like for example, a person is going for hajj, they're gone for three weeks, they're gone for a whole month. Hmm? Likewise, another person, he's going to seek knowledge. Imam Bukhari, he was away from his mother for 16 years. Not 16 days, not 16 months, 16 years. Why? Because he was learning hadith. He was learning hadith. The Prophet ﷺ, when he would go for so many expeditions, one after the other, you think his whole family would come along with him? No. The families of the Sahaba, they would be where? In Medina. And the Sahaba would be away for so long, separated from their loved ones, from their children, from their babies, from their wives, for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What does Allah say? They will be reunited in Jannah. They will be brought together in Jannah. And this is something that really brings happiness to you. When your loved ones are with you. Those whom you love, they are by your side. 
And otherwise, you could be you know, having the best food, you could be at the best restaurant, you could be in the best gathering, you could be celebrating Eid, but if your mom is not there, your dad is not there, your brother is not there, your sister is not there. I mean, no matter how happy you try to be, you're not completely happy. Because you're missing them. You wish that you could celebrate that occasion with them. You wish that you could spend those moments with them. Because you love them. So no matter who's with you, no matter what you have, you cannot be fully happy in this dunya. So bear separation today for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the separation will happen for sure, but bear it today for His sake so that in Jannah you will be together. But this time Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us the core thing that leads to all of these behaviors such as patience and ihsan and joining family ties. It's all knowledge. It's all people who are truly understanding and accepting of the religion and they really know the deen itself. And it is that that leads them to all these other great good deeds that will inshallah lead them to Jannah. Yes. And that will cause the families to be reunited. Aisha? When we are going for Qiyam, when we are doing Taraweeh, because you know women are good at these things. So we need to remember if we want our husbands and our children to be with us in Jannah and we don't want to see them going somewhere else on the Day of Judgment, we need to encourage them as well. Yes, because man salaha. This is not unconditional that families will be brought together. Those who are not righteous, they'll be separated completely. But those who are righteous will be brought together. And even if they're in different levels of Jannah, they'll be brought together in one level. So, وَمَنْ صَلَحَ مِنْ آبَائِهِمْ وَأَزْوَاجِهِمْ وَذُرِّيَّاتِهِمْ You see, again, in the first ayah we learned those who respond to their Lord. What prevents us from responding to the call of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Many times. It's our family. Hmm? Like for example, many mothers, they will keep delaying their salah. Why? Because their child is with them. Hmm? Or because their nephew is with them or because their cousins are over or whatever is happening with their family salah is being delayed Quran is not recited adhkar are not read during salah Allah is not remembered after salah dhikr is not said why? because of family because we love our family members I'm not saying that we should not spend time with our family at all no, that is a natural need. In fact, that is something that Allah has ordered us to do. Yasiluna, we have to join. We have to maintain good relationships. And for that, you have to spend time with one another. But in doing that, don't compromise on responding to the call of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because no matter how much time we spend together in this life, you know, you are with your cousins for an entire week. But if you really had a good time, that week seems to be so short. You spend a good two, three hours with your mom, you know, having tea, having food, talking, chatting, whatever. And then eventually those two, three hours will come to an end. No matter how much time we spend here together, it is less. It will never fully satisfy us. Never. You see, babies, you know, people want to spend as much time as possible with them because babies, they grow so quickly. I mean, my daughter is two and a half years old and I already miss the baby version of her. I already miss her. You know, I was telling her the other day, I miss baby. And she's like, I'm not baby. She doesn't want to be accepted as baby. So you want to enjoy those precious moments because you know that they're going to slip away from your hands. But the thing is that no matter how much you enjoy, eventually they are going to slip away. So what is better? That you invest this time not just in being with each other, in socializing. Take some time out for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also. Don't compromise on your sunnah because of your family members. Don't compromise on your Qur'an recitation because of your loved ones. Give them their haqq and also give Allah his haqq. Give yourself your haqq also. And keep the fun for later. Keep the fun for later. Because in Jannah, there is no misery, no separation, no being tight on time, no exhaustion, nothing like that. So keep it for later. Reserve it for the Akhirah. 
The Prophet ﷺ, did he not spend time away from Aisha radiallahu anha? So he loved her so much. Did he not spend time away from Fatima, his daughter, whom he loved so much? Right? His grandchildren. He loved them, but he had to be away from them for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But Allah, He gives husna, the most excellent reward. When the time for Salah came, he used to become a stranger. Yes. So I personally know someone who does that, and it just makes you respect them so much, and it makes you remember that I should pray too. Yeah. This is the key, that you are with your family members, you're helping them, you are enjoying your time with them, but when the time to respond to Allah comes, you become a stranger to them. Then that's it. You have to get up, and you have to go. It's not that you hate your family members or they don't deserve anything from you. No, no, no. They have their haq, you love them. But at the same time, the deen of Allah, that also has haq. Your nafs, that also has haq. So those people who remember this balance and as a result, salaha, righteous. Aisha, go ahead. Um, someone just e- um, la- uh, lately emailed me a tweet from somebody saying the success calls every day, five times a day, but people are too busy to answer the call because they're too busy trying to be successful. Yes. We're too busy to answer the call to success. Why? Because we are busy trying to be successful. How? Spending time with our family or friends to make our relationship successful. But it's not going to work out. You have to respond to Allah first and then everything will work out. So for such people, what will happen? They will enter Jannah. And the angels will enter upon them from every gate. The angels will enter upon them from every door. Why? To welcome them, to congratulate them. They will say, Salamun alaykum, peace be on you. So imagine when people will be in Jannah, the angels entering from every door, welcoming them, congratulating them, greeting them, saying, Salamun alaykum, bima sababtum, because you patiently endured. Life was difficult. And you had sabr. You were patient. It was difficult to leave your family and go pray. It was difficult to respond to Allah when everybody was sitting together. But you were patient. So, salamun alaykum bima sabartum. You did not give up. You remained firm. You made it. فَنِعْمَ عُقْبَ الدَّارِ So how excellent is the final home. Uqba Again, end result. A good result. Where? In Adar, The home, the home of the hereafter, meaning Jannah. And how excellent is this home that you will never have to move from it because it is eternal and perfect and satisfying. There is no traces of misery in Jannah. No trace of fatigue in Jannah. The other day I was listening to this short clip by Sheikh Abu Isa and he was basically talking about Jannah that people don't have to use the bathroom in Jannah. And he said, that in itself you know, tells you how perfect Jannah is. You don't have to tell me there is this food and this person and that. This is enough for me. You don't have to use the toilet in Jannah. You won't have that need. Because Jannah is all about happiness and comfort and joy. فَنِعْمَ عُقْبَ الدَّارِ What an excellent home it is. And you see in this life you have to do sabr over these little, little issues. These little, little matters for the sake of Allah. But Allah will compensate very beautifully. There's a hadith that tells us that the first among Allah's creation to enter Jannah are the fuqara muhajireen. Who are they? The fuqara muhajireen, the poor immigrants, those who immigrated with the Prophet ﷺ from Makkah to Medina. Because they had to do sabr, right? And they had to spend time away from their families for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And especially those fuqara muhajirin with whom the outposts are secured, meaning who would be guarding the borders of the Muslim lands. And because of them, various afflictions are warded off because they're guarding the borders. He said one of them would die while his need would still be in his chest. He would die in the way of Allah while a need of his would be unsatisfied. What needs do people have? I want to go see my 
Mother, I want to spend some time with my husband. I want to eat this. I just want a good night's rest. I want to go lie down in a proper bed. I just want to relax. I just want to take a nice shower. These are basic needs. And when you don't have them fulfilled, you yearn for them. But the Prophet ﷺ said, they died while these needs were still in their chest. That craving was still there. That craving, that desire was still there. But death came to them. They spent their lives in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, sacrificing one thing after the other until death came. Allah will say to whom He will among His angels, go to them and welcome them with salam. When they'll be entering Jannah, Allah will send His angels, go and welcome them with salam. So the angels will come and say, Salamun alaykum bima sabartum fani'ma uqabaddaar. We listen to the recitation. لِلَّذِينَ اسْتَجَابُوا لِرَبِّهِمُ الْحُسْنَى وَالَّذِينَ لَمْ يَسْتَجِيبُوا لَهُ لَوْ أَنَّ لَهُمْ مَا فِي الْأَرْضِ جَمِيعًا وَمِثْلَهُ مَعَهُ لَفْتَدَوْا بِهِ أُولَئِكَ لَهُمْ سُوءُ الْحِسَابِ وَمَأْوَاهُمْ جَهَنَّمْ وَمَأْوَاهُمْ جَهَنَّمُ وَبِئْسَ الْمِهَادِ أَفَمَنْ يَعْلَمُ أَنَّمَا أُنزِلَ إِلَيْكَ مِنْ رَبِّكَ الْحَقُّ كَمَنْ هُوَ أَعْمَى إِنَّمَا يَتَذَكَّرُ أُولُو الْأَلْبَابِ الَّذِينَ يُوفُونَ بِعَهْدِ اللَّهِ وَلَا يَنْقُضُونَ الْمِيثَاقِ وَالَّذِينَ يَصِلُونَ مَا أَمَرَ اللَّهُ بِهِ أَنْ يُوصَلَ وَيَخْشَوْنَ رَبَّهُمْ وَيَخْشَوْنَ رَبَّهُمْ وَيَخَافُونَ سُوءَ الْحِسَابِ وَالَّذِينَ صَبَرُوا ابْتِغَاءَ وَجْهِ رَبِّهِمْ وَأَقَامُوا الصَّلَاةَ وَأَنفَقُوا وَأَنفَقُوا مِمَّا رَزَقْنَاهُمْ سِرًّا وَعَلَانِيَةً وَيَدْرَؤُونَ بِالْحَسَنَةِ السَّيِّئَةَ أُولَئِكَ لَهُمْ عُقْبَى الدَّارِ جَنَّاتُ عَدْنٍ يَدْخُلُونَهَا وَمَنْ صَلَحَ مِنْ آبَائِهِمْ وَأَزْوَاجِهِمْ وَذُرِّيَّاتِهِمْ وَالْمَلَائِكَةُ يَدْخُلُونَ عَلَيْهِمْ مِنْ كُلِّ بَابٍ سَلَامٌ عَلَيْكُمْ بِمَا صَبَرْتُمْ فَنِعْمَ عُقْبَى الدَّارِ